Well, if you have your Bible this morning, I would encourage you to turn or scroll or open to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And we're going to be talking this morning about active Bible reading. Now, our our main focus and our main passage of Scripture this morning is James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. And I want to start off by reading just that section. But then I also, for context, want to read the entire first chapter of James together. Let's just start off by reading in James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25 together. James writes to us, But be doers of the word not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts... He will be blessed in his doing. Have you ever opened your Bible and decided, maybe because it's a New Year's resolution, or maybe because you just just decided to to start a nice Bible reading plan, you you open up your Bible uh, to, to wherever you've decided to start, you've read a chapter of the Bible, and you've put it down and went, I have no idea what I just read. Am I the only one who's done that before? Anybody else do that? You start reading and you go... That was really good. I got my time in and I've got no clue what I'm supposed to do, right? I want you to know it's okay because everyone does that. It's not as if you're alone. The problem is we have this mindset with scripture, with all Christian disciplines really, that we should be in the word and so we we force ourselves to open the Bible to wherever we're reading, to squeeze a chapter in, to set it down and to move on. That's been our mindset, and we check a box. I've read the Bible today. We do this with prayer. I don't know how many times I've been praying, and and as I'm praying to the Lord, my thoughts are going all over the place, and and I'm jumbled mess, and and next thing you know, I find myself not praying, but thinking about meals, right, or thinking about Kentucky basketball, or thinking about what my kids are, are doing, or what they need, or thinking about anything besides praying. Why? Because we have this mentality that in Christian disciplines, we need to to sit down and check a box. So we start to do whatever it is we feel like we need to do, and then we we move on. This morning, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you with this morning's sermon that the Word of God is more than something to be read. If you do nothing but read the Bible for the rest of your life, you will fail as a Christian. If you do nothing but open up God's holy and perfect word and just read it and study it and stop, you will not be fulfilling what God has called you to do. And you will not be growing in your faith the way you assume you would be. Scripture is not meant to be a box that is checked off. Scripture is meant to be so much more. So this morning, I want to encourage us to be active Bible readers. And we're going to explain what that that means in this morning's message. We're going to be active in our study of God's Word. We're going to be active in how we read it and how we apply it. I do want to read all of James chapter 1 for context. Last week we were in 1 Peter chapter 5. And if you remember, 1 Peter is written to a church that is under extreme 
persecution and suffering. I shared with you that we have a church right now that is, is very united, very together. I feel very blessed to be your pastor. There's not a lot of fighting or, or gossip. There's not a lot of anger. We have a good spirit in our church, and I'm thankful for that. But I, I warned you last week that there will come a time in our individual lives and even in the life of our church that we endure very difficult hardships. And while things may be going well now, Peter wrote to us a warning to make sure we were living the Christian life in good times so we'd be ready to live the Christian life in difficult times. Well, this morning, as James writes, he starts off with the same theme, suffering. He starts off with this, this idea of having trials and temptations. And what are we supposed to do with our trials and temptations? And, and the Lord keeps giving me these passages of Scripture because I believe that we as a church need to be ready for those difficult times. I'm not a prophet, not in the sense of knowing the future, and I'm not standing up here saying, this year is going to be a horrible year. As a matter of fact, I have every expectation that the Lord is going to continue to grow the individuals and the whole church this year. But I also am a fool to think that everything is always going to go as smoothly as it's been going. And so in James chapter 1, James begins to write to us about trials and temptations and difficulties and what we're to do with those. And then we get to this passage that we'll find that we just read a moment ago about being active Bible readers. And let's connect those together this morning. If you have your Bible still open, let's start in James 1, starting in verse 1, and we'll read through the entire chapter. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, whenever you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. And also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, 
slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Here's our main passage. In this context, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law and the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. The last two verses. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religious is, religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. James writes a lot in one chapter. As a matter of fact, this could be a sermon series, and it won't be, not at least at this time. James chapter 1 hits on so many areas, but the overarching theme is this. Trials and temptations will come. You're going to face difficult times. It's a reminder that those trials, and particularly the temptations, are not from God. God gives good and perfect gifts, but God allows the trials and the temptations in order for us to build strength in our faith. James calls it steadfastness. Maybe you have a translation that says perseverance. But we have these trials and these temptations and these struggles and these difficulties so that we can understand that we need strength and perseverance in God. James warns us that if we have things too good, if we have this prideful arrogance about us, if everything is going well, that's when we should be worried because that's when God will humble us. But the person who is humble, James says, that you should take pride that God is giving you help and assistance. The trials and temptations are there for a purpose and for a reason. As we read James chapter 1, it's kind of easy to, to shake our heads and say, Lord, but why? I get it, you can give me perseverance, but couldn't you give me perseverance without the trials and without the temptations? Lord, you're God, you can do anything. Couldn't you just build my faith the easy way? The truth is God can, but God doesn't. The truth is, as believers in Christ... The biggest lie the devil wants to tell us is that our faith in Christ makes things easy, and it doesn't. And so James wants us to know, things may be going well now, but, but trials and temptations are coming, and we can find joy in those trials and temptations. And the question then is, how? How are we going to find joy? How are we going to persevere? How are we going to overcome? And that's where our passage in verses 22 through 25 applies to us today. Be doers of the word. We won't persevere our trials if we are not actively in the word of God. James didn't tack this, this passage on knowing God's word to an already full chapter about trials and sufferings for nothing. He put it there so we would understand how we overcome the trials, 
how we overcome the temptations, how we overcome the struggles. It's by being active readers of the Word, by knowing what the Word says and living it out. He gives a a very practical example in verses 26 and 27 when he says, if you're an active religious person who's reading the Word of God and living it out, you're going to care for the widows and the orphans. That is, you're going to care for the people that nobody else cares about. You're going to do something with your faith. I think a lot of times we like to make deals with God. Have you ever made a deal with God? Lord, I will read my Bible every day if you give me that promotion. Lord, if you will will just answer my prayer, I will go to church every single Sunday. Lord, if you'll heal me or heal my family member. Lord, if you'll mend my marriage. Lord, if you'll build my relationship back with my kids. I, I promise I will be a faithful Christian. We like to look at God and say, I will be faithful in your word if you'll do this for me. Lord, I'm going through a struggle and I'm going through a trial, so if you'll fix this, then I'll get active. Then I'll start doing something. James turns that upside down and says exactly the opposite. If you want to be ready for the trial, if you want to be ready for the temptation, if you want to be ready for the struggle, you better already be active in your faith. You already need to be doing what God has called you to do. Several ways the Word of God changes and motivates and encourages us this morning. We're going to look specifically at how God's Word actively affects our lives. And so if you have your bulletin, you can take some notes. You can jot in the margins if you like. We're going to see why the Word of God is so important for us to actively read. For starters... It's because the Word of God should motivate you. The Word of God gives us a motivation to do something. As fate would have it, or more accurately, as the Lord would have it, my class's Sunday school lesson this morning was from James chapter 1. It was literally this passage, and I told them they could go home because the the message was presented much better in Sunday school than it probably is this morning from the pulpit. As we were reading James chapter 1, we we were looking at how God's Word should activate us, should push us to do something. And the Bible is active in the sense that it tells us what we should be doing. As a matter of fact, we read that we should be motivated into action to do something. Our Sunday school lesson, uh, the the guy on the video uh, said something that, that I thought was really neat. He said, Christianity was never meant to be a noun. It's always been meant to be a verb. Christianity was never meant to be something that we are, but something that we do. It was never meant that we would absorb everything and receive everything. It was meant that we would give. I think the Word of God changes the way we look at other people and motivates us. Why does it motivate us? I think James tells us the motivation behind it. Because everything we have is not from ourselves. As we read the Word of God, we realize we serve a God bigger than us. We serve a God better than us. We serve a God more loving than us. We serve a God who gives good gifts. James wants to remind us of that in James 1, 16 through 17. 
He says, don't be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. James writes to us and says, listen, the more you read God's word, the more you're going to understand his goodness. The more you're going to understand that everything you have that is worth having is a gift from God. It begins with our salvation. As we read the word of God, we we can't help but throw our hands up and say, Lord, I, I don't deserve a relationship with you, and yet you give it. Lord, that's a good gift. I deserve eternal punishment. I deserve separation. I deserve hell. And yet, because of your great love, your goodness to us, Lord, you've given me a chance to know you personally. You've offered me a free gift that no one else could. Lord, you are are a good and loving God. Then it filters down and we, we start to see everything else with a new perspective. We start to look at our relationship with our family and we say, Lord, my family is a gift from you. Oh, Lord, I know that my my kids didn't want to get out of bed early this morning and we fought and they kicked and they screamed and and they drugged their their hands on the floor trying to get out of bed. I I had to turn the mattress upside down. Our girls were actually pretty good this morning. But Lord, Lord, I know they're a fight sometimes. Lord, they're a gift. Lord, I I know that sometimes me and my spouse, we, we butt heads Boy, we love each other, but boy, we're just as stubborn as the other. Lord, I know that there are times that that we just want to wring each other's necks, but but God, what a blessing and a gift my family is to me. We start to look around us and we say, Lord, I have a place to live. I have a house. I have heat. For, For a boy who grew up in Miami, Florida, the Lord's biggest blessing to me in my house is my heat, right? I'm so thankful, Lord, that you have provided for my needs. Lord, I have food on the table. God, sometimes I struggle to pay this bill or struggle to pay that bill, but you know what? Lord, you you seem to make it work. Lord, you've always provided for my needs, and even when I'm without, I can see your goodness. I can see how you, you reach out and you sustain me. As we read the Word of God, we realize how good God is to us, and it should motivate us to be good to others. Lord, you've given me more than what I deserve. And so as I read the word of God, it motivates me to give more than what others deserve. James writes to us and says, we should read actively the word of God so that we see his goodness. And that should motivate us to pass on those good works to other people. Secondly, the word of God not only motivates us, but it encourages us. So the Word of God teaches us how good God is, but did you know the Word of God also teaches us how special you are? How important you are in God's eyes? The Word of God, as you read it, you realize as amazing as God is and as little as we deserve, He still cares for us. We see that God encourages us as image bearers of the Father. James chapter 1, verse 12 tells us, Blessed is a man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Don't miss out on this promise that James gives you and I. As we say, Lord, I'm not deserving of anything. You are amazing and I am nothing. James says, but remember you're something because those of you in Christ will receive a crown of life. 
There's something better coming for you. Your trials, your temptations, your struggles, which you deserve, they're going to pass away. The one who perseveres, he receives not just life, but a, a crown of life. You know who receives a crown? It's not normal people. It's royalty, right? You and I don't have crowns sitting at home. Well, I've got about 100 plastic crowns because I raised two girls. But we don't have genuine crowns to, to make us rulers of anything. And yet God, the King of Kings, looks at us and says, you, you get a crown. You've not earned it. You don't deserve it. But I give it to you, a crown. God looks at us and says, you, you're an image bearer of me, and therefore you, you are worthy to receive anything that I give you. I'm going to give you a royal life. You're going to be my sons and daughters. You're going to be the apple of my eye. Everything I do is for, for the benefit of your relationship with me. The trials, they're for your relationship with me. The good times, the good gifts, therefore your relationship with me. Everything I do for you, I invest in you, is so that you can have the best life that I've created you to have. As we read the word of God, we realize that, that God not only is a great and amazing and powerful God that does good gifts, but he cares immensely for us. Don't miss out on the fact that God does not owe us anything. We're not worthy of his love. As we read the Bible, what we read is, is God compares us not to sons and daughters, but God compares us to unfaithful prostitutes. You read the book of Hosea and, and ask yourself, which character does God think I am? You read Old Testament passages of Israel and their relationship with God and how God looks at them and says, oh, that I would divorce you and send you away. That's what you deserve. You look at passages in Scripture where, where God looks at us and says, you're still sinners. Yet then you turn to passages of Scriptures that say, while you are still sinners, Christ died. You read the book of Hosea and realize that we put ourselves in the position of the unfaithful spouse and God's in the position of buying us back and redeeming us. We, we understand that, that we have earned nothing and God has given us everything. As we read the word of God, it encourages us in the love that God gives us. That God is a good God and he cares for us immensely. You know, one thing I've learned in almost 15 years of marriage is there's a lot I have to learn still. One thing that, that always stuck out to me though is when you love somebody, you begin to love what they love. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but I was not someone who was into theater or musicals or plays at all when Hannah and I first got together. As a matter of fact, I, I would rather see a slapstick, stupid comedy movie than any romantic anything. I just didn't care about it. I don't care about theater and plays and singing and musicals, but you know what I found over the years? Because Hannah is into those things, because she loves theater and she loves musicals, I found myself watching movies at Christmas time like White Christmas. And can I tell you, it's a pretty good movie. I, I like it. I find myself watching movies by some director named Baz Luhrmann. And, and while they're weird and crazy, 
there's lots of music and lots of involvement. One of my favorite movies of all time now, doesn't beat The Princess Bride, so just hold your breath, but one of my top five movies of all time is The Greatest Showman. Oh, what a great movie. The music and the acting, and I go, would I have liked that movie 15 years ago? I wouldn't have even turned it on. But you know what? The longer I'm with Hannah, the things she loves have rubbed off on me, and I love them. I think about how that's affected Hannah 15 years ago. Well, really, still today, she hates basketball. Hates it. The squeaky shoes get to her. She she can't stand the the sound of squeaky shoes, right? Do you know what I found? Is I don't even have to ask her anymore. She just she just puts on Kentucky Wildcats t-shirts and she she invests in 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 what I love. She endures March and endures is the right word, right? She she has become a Kentucky Wildcat fan. Now, does she love basketball? No, but you know what? She loves the things that I love. In our relationship with God, the closer we get to Him, the the more we see His great love for us. We start to love the things that God loves. We understand God loves his creation. God loves his people. The word of God then encourages us because we have a future with him because he has done so much and cares so much for us. We begin to love the things that God loves. Be active readers of God's word and serve others. The word of God motivates us The Word of God encourages us. And if we are active readers, the Word of God should change us. The Word of God should change us. Just in my marriage, as I have evolved over the last 15 years, our relationship with God should evolve our actions and attitudes as well. We should not be the same person today as we were when we first accepted Christ. The salvation that God gives is not a passive salvation. It's one that constantly works on our hearts, constantly works on our lives, and changes us. And He does that through the Word of God. That's why James tells us in verses 3 and 4, do you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness? And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in Nothing. Do you know what the goal of the Christian life is? Do you know what God ultimately wants you to be? God ultimately wants you to be perfect and complete. Anybody reach that state yet? Perfect and complete? I'll put my hand down for just a second. Anybody get there yet? I, I hope that each one of us can look at how we were yesterday or a week ago or a month ago or a year ago and say I'm not perfect today but I'm closer to it today than I was back then Lord you're changing me these trials and these these struggles you give me they're producing this steadfastness in me that's that's going to have a full effect and change who I am as I read the word of God as I start to study who you are it's going to to Help me evolve into a stronger believer. And I know because Scripture tells us we will never attain that perfect state here on earth. There is an end goal when God calls us home that He brings us into a full and complete relationship with Him where we will be made perfect. The Word of God begins that process in that journey. 
as Baptists, really as Protestants, but specifically at our church, we believe that at the moment of our death, we are before God himself. And those who are in Christ stand before God in that moment are, and are, are accepted into an eternal life with him. Those who are apart from God stand before God and at that moment are separated from him for eternity in hell. We believe that the moment of our death is the, the end of our struggle with sin because it will be decided at that moment whether or not we've trusted in Christ or not. Uh, to put it in short, we don't believe in a purgatory. That after this death, that there's a, a time that, that the Lord continues to grow us and make us more and more perfect. You know what a Baptist purgatory is? You know what Baptist time of purging is? It's now. Right here and right now, God is using our lives to grow us, to stretch us, to change us, to make us more mature today than we were yesterday, to give us more perseverance and steadfastness today than we did last week, to make us more Christ-like in this moment than we were the day that we accepted Christ. The Word of God, as we read it, should change what we do and how we live. We need to be active readers of the word. Listening to what it says and then putting it in to practice. Doing something with it. James makes a, a very astute comment when he's talking about someone who reads the word of God and doesn't live it out. Now he could have said, if you read the word of God and don't live it out, you're going to really struggle with your, your trials and your temptations. and You're going to have a difficult time getting through them and all of that is true. I think James knew that. So he wants to make it very clear what happens when we don't read the Word of God or we don't act out the Word of God. James says a person who hears the Word of God and doesn't act on it is like someone who, who looks in a mirror and turns away and immediately forgets what they look like. I don't know exactly what all that entails. I've heard it described that, that someone maybe looks in a mirror and sees something wrong with them. Maybe their hair's sticking up or maybe their, their shirt's not straight or, or maybe their makeup's running if you wear makeup and you turn away and you don't fix the problem. And, and that's kind of the, the looking away and, and not doing anything about it. But Maybe that's some of it. You know what I think James is saying? If you're a person who looks in a mirror and turns away and immediately can't remember what you look like, uh, let me give you the Trey Reed translation from that. You're an idiot. <laughs> You're just dumber than a box of rocks. Uh, I don't understand how, how anyone can, can read the Word of God and listen to it, say, do this, and set it aside and do nothing. James says, you know what? The person who does that, you're just an idiot, and you're dumber than a box of rocks. The Word of God should motivate us it should encourage us it should change us it should put us into action what is God calling you to do when you read the Bible what does God want you to do I could give you a vision for the church and, and I'm going to talk a little bit about a, a, a discovering FBC at the end of our service here in just a little bit but I could, I could give you a, a five-step plan for what First Baptist as a church is going to do to act on the Word of God. But, but can I pause for just a moment and say, our church is not going to do anything. If you as an individual don't read the Word and ask God, what do you want me to do? I, I don't think that the church exists for the purpose of telling you how to read the Bible. 
I think the church exists to, to serve you and to serve others and to, to help you grow in your faith and to reach out. But, but I think it's your responsibility to pick it up, to read it. Say, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? A few things I know every single Christian in here is called to do. Every single Christian is called to worship God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. To love Him above all else. God wants you to be a part of a, an active part of a church. I know because you'll read the Word of God. Every single believer in here is called to, to personally grow in their faith. That you're responsible to read this on your own. You're responsible to pray throughout the week. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has called every single one of you, every single one of us as believers in Christ, to talk to other people about our faith and to introduce them to Jesus Christ who saved us. God's called you to do that. I know that God, in, in James writes and we read, has called us to, to serve others and love people, to, to look out for those who don't have anyone to love, the widows and the orphans, the, those who are in need, and to, to reach our hand out and be actively serving them without any ulterior motive whatsoever. As we read the Word of God, there may be specific things that God calls you to, a ministry that He opens a door. There may be something that God lays on your heart that is specifically for you, but you'll never know it if you're not an active reader of the Word of God. This morning, what the Word of God teaches us above all else is that God created you special with a plan for you to know Him. So this morning, as we think about the Word of God, we need to ask ourselves, do I know Christ personally? Have I accepted His salvation to forgive my sins, to show me how to actively live my life? Have I trusted Him as, as my Savior and also as my Lord to guide me? As we read the Word of God this morning, I, I hope and pray that it would motivate you to see who God is. It would encourage you to see how God sees you. That it would change you and show you a way to salvation. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, what an amazing gift you've given to us in the Word of God. Lord, how often do we read the Bible as a, a passive checkmark task? Lord, your Bible is meant to, to change us. And I pray this morning that that we would actively read it and actively live it out. Lord, when it calls us to go, I pray that we would go. When it calls us to love, I pray that we would love. When it calls us to change, I pray that we would change. Lord, I thank you for the salvation message that you've given to us through your word. Lord, this morning, I pray that, that every person would actively seek their own destination that we would start to ask, Lord, have you offered me salvation and am I willing to accept it? Lord, this morning, let them know that your word teaches that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Lord, let us read your word, let us live it out, and let us worship you for being the God who gives it to us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.